Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> oh! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Forrest Walker, at Dunods on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm all right. So... I have not podcasted since the OKC Rocket series, and there seems to be a lot of opinion going around about that series. Uh, it's died down now since the Rockets play their game one against the Lakers, but I feel we, we should address it, right? Like, we should address what we thought of the Rockets coming out of that series. Like, just first of all, before we get into specific players, how'd you think the Rockets looked in that series? Hmm. Uh,. They look like a team trying to get a, a, a lesser team off their back. Um, my my take on the series in general is the same now as it was then, which is that the Rockets are the better, more talented team, but the Thunder are in a lot of ways more disciplined and have the ability to play them in a way that is extremely irritating and difficult to deal with. It's a very bad matchup. Uh, so the Rockets should have and did win that series, but it was always going to be a lot harder than it, than you would think it would be, given how, first off, how well Chris Paul knows the team and their and their weaknesses, and how much it has really got underneath their skin. Like I like I've been saying for a while, the Thunder need everything to go right to win games, but they're very good at making everything go right. So I know you're pretty much out of the prediction business, but like, what was your like, did you have a number in mind in terms of how long it would take for Houston to finish that series? Oh, I, I, I mean, I predicted them to lose it right after Russell Westbrook got hurt because oh. uh, overreacting is a lot of fun. But I don't know. I mean, I had, I had no idea how the series is going to go. I have no idea how any series is going to go at this point. So I had them winning that series in six games, and I'll admit, uh, I thought it would be pretty cl- I, I thought it would be pretty close but i didn't think it ever reached a seventh seventh game i thought pretty much if it wasn't going to be six games it would be five games uh, i thought the rockets were clearly the better team even with james harden by himself and i thought the formula to getting past round one for a top five player is do you have shooting around you yes okay so you should get past round one unless you're playing another team with a top five player right like i think that 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 should be the baseline for a top five player with shooting get past round one and just watching that series, I think the overall conversation coming out of it is how Harden looked, right? Especially in, in key moments for the Rockets. And for me, like, everybody's going to talk about Game 7 and Game 6. But Game 4, to me, was uh, especially, particularly the fourth quarter. Like, Harden, if you look at his stat line, he played great for quarters 1 through 3. The fourth quarter, uh, he, he was 3 for 7. One for four from the three-point range. Uh, he was uh, not getting to the free throw line. And he genuinely, like, he generally looked disengaged. And I did not think in the moments where Harden wasn't doing well once Westbrook came back, I did not think he looked disengaged. I just thought he looked bad offensively. And I thought Lou Dort was a big part of that. I thought Lou Dort did a fantastic job in the series, really made a name for himself. I, I can't really explain 
why he didn't do better in these key moments in the fourth quarters. And, and, you know, there's this whole conversation with James Harden generally that annoys me a little bit because there's not, there's not much nuance, right? Like he's just a bad playoff performer and that's, that's wrong. You know, he, he's, if you look at Harden in the playoffs, he's a very good playoff performer. I think there are moments and there are games where it's a little head scratching. Game seven was definitely one of those moments. And, you know, he gets he gets a ton of attention during these moments. And I thought, listen, I'm willing to concede that he's just a less efficient player in the playoffs. The numbers bear that out. That's just objective. I think I'm willing to excuse a little bit of it because he did not disengage. Like, this wasn't game six Spurs, right? Where he the body language was, was poor. Uh, he was turning the ball over. And he just didn't look like he was interested in playing basketball. This this wasn't that. Obviously, we're going to talk about the block, but it was just it was more than the block. He was good defensively, and he didn't put his head down, and he stayed in the game. And that's the difference for me. Yes, he was bad offensively, but he stayed engaged. I think he gets a pass because he did not give up on the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, he also gets a pass because he, because they won the game, (laughs) like functionally, that's the pass he's going to get though. I I know it's a different thing from what you're talking about, which is the pass that like you're, that you will give or not. Uh, he did look pretty bad. Like you said, for, for most of that game, uh, he did bring it when it mattered. And as we'll talk about this, like you said, but it is very funny that his defining moment of that game, uh, and the game, which, Define the entire game really it was his uh his game and series winning block of all things probably uh, it, the the <laughs> most impressive play of his career right like it's probably the highlight of his career i think i think harden even said this after the game yeah i think so uh it is the the most intense and like valuable single moment of his career i mean if if we can, there there are plenty of players who have had like huge moments come in the first round, so I don't think that's as big of a deal. Uh, but yeah, he didn't. He did not look great. Uh, he looked like he got whatever Russ had the previous game, where he was just unable to really work his body properly. I mean, while the while the game was live, everyone was wondering what was going wrong with James Harden. Uh, but apparently, they did enough to make it through, which was. A real relief, and that—that's my—that's my whole thing about the entire series. That whole series just felt like a relief to get through. It like, as soon as the Thunder counterpunched at all, it just felt like a really stressful, grueling battle. Uh, and honestly, I think that the the Rockets and the fans are all just glad to be done with it. Yeah, I I think I I think I posted a poll before Game Seven, like. And I asked Rockets fans how you would feel if they would win this game, and I think most people just said relief. No, I, I don't. I think I got a few joys in that poll, um, and you know I think people view, viewed this series as something the Rockets just had to get over. And there were a lot of stakes, man. If they if they lost Game Seven, if they didn't, if Harden doesn't get that block, we are having an entirely different discussion today, right? About not just James Harden, about the state of the franchise, right? The, that game had some pretty heavy implications. And I think in that way, uh, that block uh, is pretty consequ- consequential and something we'll talk about moving forward when we talk about Harden and his career and his defining moments. But I just think 
one thing I one thing I look for with Harden in in these big playoff games is is he engaged, right? Because we've seen games where he's not there, or he's just his head somewhere else. Is he engaged? And I, I watching that game, I did not get the sense that he was just, that he was disengaged, and I did not get the sense that he, that he gave up. He kept shooting, and he kept trying. And in the fourth quarter, I really thought there was there was a there was a strong possibility that he was just start raining threes. And what the what Thunder did was interesting because I think they recognized that that the threat was there, and they started doubling him as soon as the, the pick came, and as soon as he would find a seam in the defense, the double would come really fast. And Harden did a pretty good job at hitting Robert Covington, who was who was open for a couple of shots. Uh, Covington, who had a good, very good uh, game seven, by the way. Um, and I thought Harden did a pretty good job at just keeping keeping the offense flowing and making that extra pass. So yes, offensively, not his best game. Uh, not not a low point for I would say him in the playoffs though. I think when you when we talk about his lowest moments in the playoffs, I would not put this there. I would put game six Spurs there. I would put game five against the Warriors where he had like thirteen turnovers. Uh, from twenty fifteen, I would put that there. I would put you know a couple of other moments before that one. I think that one ranks kind of low on the to- totem pole overall. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was certainly an ugly game, but like you said, it wasn't like an absent game, right? And I think it's I, yeah. That, that I think you, especially because they won, uh, you live with it. <laughs> you just move on and live with it, and it's fine. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about the block? I mean, that was that was extremely wild. That was uh, I did not in a game that just felt like. That that game was intense and grueling, and it felt stressful the entire way. That block was the one moment where suddenly it felt like the clouds parted and like a, a beam of light shone through. Uh, absolutely incredible that he had the awareness to get over there and block him on his shoulder, so he couldn't do anything about it. Just absolutely stuffed poor Lou Dort, who had been under like deservingly the hero of that game. Like I mean. It, that's the game of his life, and I feel so yeah. bad for him. Yeah, it sucks that he, but but you know, I think hopefully he will get more shots. He's you know he's he's a rookie. He's gonna he's gonna have more cracks at this. Uh, whether it's on that team or another one, I think he's going to be a valuable player for a long time. So will, you never will know he what score happens. Thir- will he score thirty one points in the game seven again though? That, I mean, the, the, who like, knows? I'm, I'm <laughs> probably not. not. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not sure if that will ever come for him again, but. A uh, huge, huge block, and what what I found wild about it is not just the block; it's the possession overall, right? Like the the ball was just like like so. It went to Schroeder, then Schroeder kicked it out, and uh, and Harden was on Stephen Adams. By the way, he he was he was bodying up Stephen Adams, and he and he didn't leave until the last second when he realized Dort was going to shoot the ball. Then he left, and he he jumped going to his his left, so. He was blocking the shot with his left hand, and he and he had the awareness to go to his left, so it doesn't look like a foul. Because on the previous game, I'm not sure how many people listening watched the previous game, but that 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 was deemed a foul on a similar play because the player kept going straight, and Harden went to the side, and it was a straight on ball foul. And the awareness to jump like that, by the way, because you would not think that Lou Dort was going to throw the ball at Harden. Like he, had, there was no reason to. He was in bounds. And I don't, I, I, I don't know why he decided to just throw it off of Harden. I guess I think he panicked. I think I think he 
didn't really know what was going on. I, I, I don't think he knew where his, his feet were, and he just panicked. And, I mean, he's a rookie, I understand, but, like, it, it was wild that Harden saw that coming. He saw the panic in his eyes, and he, done, and he, and he did the splits, and the ball went through his legs, and Rockets, uh, the Rockets took possession. That was just a wild sequence yeah. of events. His, the, the, the thing where he, like, jumped up in the air and, and did the splits was... Pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, just a really weird moment. Uh, James Harden roaring afterwards. The clock went to the clock was at 0.5. And when the clock is at 0.5 at that point, and you're inbounding the ball, the only thing that's going to happen is that you're going to win. Then another second went on the clock, then another second and a half went on the clock somehow, which was very weird. It ended up like there was an incredible moment. And I think we're all going to, if we look, whenever we look back on this game, we're going to remember that as being the moment that the game was sealed, but it wasn't, there was still a whole bunch more of that game somehow. Uh, and I think it's best that we just kind of choose not to remember the weird non-ending that happened afterwards. Yeah, it was a very chaotic uh, ending and, uh, the Thunder just could not get the ball in, in bounds. Like I, I went back and I rewatched it. And it was just a bunch of timeouts over and over and over again because they could not find a clean pass. And once they did find a clean pass, like Westbrook was right there. Um, not the best, by the way, not the best coach series for Billy Donovan. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out the process over results card here. Okay. Because I know they forced a game seven against the Rockets and they nearly won the series. There were so many things they could have done to win the series that they didn't do. Starting with playing their best lineups, which they <laughs> refused to do for some reason. Yeah, Thunder fans were going insane about this one. Just it, like an ongoing uh, frustration, like driving it to the point of madness. Understandably so. Right, like I don't understand why in 2020 you're playing Lou Dort and Steven Adams next to each other. In a game against uh, probably the most intelligently spaced team in the NBA, right? Like you're choosing to do the exact opposite. Like it makes no sense whatsoever. And it, it, it just ruins the spacing. And the Rockets were taking advantage of it. They were just laying, they were just laying off of Lou Dort, treating him uh, as the non-shooter he is. He made him pay, but it, if Lou Dort doesn't get 31 points there, I, I, I just kind of wonder, like, does that game become a blowout? Like, does that game... Is that is the game that close in the end? Like I, I just I just kind of question whether or not the the Thunder are, are able to compete if things, as you said at the beginning, things just don't go their way all at once, right? Everything just aligned for them, and yeah, it was just odd. It was just a bizarre series. Uh, I expected it to be really fun and close. I didn't expect it to be like this. It was just weird. It was just a weird series. Yeah, I mean, there were two games in the series where the Rockets were up were up pretty big and then like just lost it at the end of the game in games three and four uh, in game six, the, like the thunder just shot the lights out. Everything went like everything went amazing. Russell Westbrook stunk. Uh, and then game like, so there were four games where kind of things really went the thunders way, which once again is to their credit. Like they're a very good team at taking the game and winning it on the margins, right? Like this is a Chris Paul phenomenon, if nothing else. Like they made that happen. They made that happen. But they made four games go very much their way and they won three of them, which is extremely impressive. But the other three games were the thing where like the Rockets had some things break their way. They just stomped them. It's very weird to look at like that in retrospect, the Rockets were clearly the better team. 
like look at the point differential in that series it was out of control like the rockets should have won that series in five games but because the thunder are that clever and they're they have that much savvy and they're you know they're that disciplined they were able to push it to seven and that's really incredible and very impressive uh and I, I don't see any reason why the Thunder won't just, you know, won't be back here quite soon. They have a, a great amount of talent. They have tons of draft picks coming up. Uh, they have the leadership of Chris Paul. Whether they, If they move Chris Paul, then they're going to get back a pretty good pile of, of assets for him, I think. I'm hopeful about the Thunder. Uh, hopefully for them and, the, and their players. They're a fun team. They'll be back. I want to see them back. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSunday.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code blue wire yeah and they're gonna get some more draft assets for some of these players right like they're they're definitely gonna move some of these players also one thing we learned from this series that i have a feeling you have a lot of opinions about uh the rockets just suddenly became the best defense in the nba like just (laughs) out of nowhere out of nowhere they were 15th in defense this season and they're now the number one defense in the nba they were a they were a middling defense and a top offense, and now they are a middling offense and a top defense. They just completely flip-flop their identity. <laughs> I think that's not that surprising, though. Like, I think the biggest part is that the Thunder have a really good defense and a pretty middling offense. So I think as much as anything, it's from playing the same team seven times that you can really... Uh, both these teams got really good at stopping each other's offense and the Rockets uh, forgot how to shoot for half the series like they seem to do usually. So I think it's not that surprising, honestly. And the Rockets had shown throughout the season, especially after the Covington trade, that they had the ability to play elite offense or elite defense. There would be stretches, especially late in games, where they would go to this, that they're going to basically the entire game now, uh, and show that they really could just turn it on and shut teams down for a while at a time if they chose to. They just have to do it all the time now, uh, which it it does kind of sound like they're a switch flip team, which being an older team with a bunch of savvy vets in it who are tired of the regular season, I think that makes sense. Uh, but that I mean, I don't think that they are the best off the best defense in the NBA right now. Like it's again, it's it's largely a factor of who they played. But I think their defense is legitimate. Uh, we will see what happens, you know, as they continue to play the current series they're in, and you know, you know, Lord willing, future series. Uh, but 
I, I think they're legit, but I don't think they're the best in the league. It's just, I mean, you hit it on the head, you had there, like it's, it's, they were so inconsistent, right? Like they, you would see stretches, but that's what they were. There were stretches. There were two to three games or two or three minutes within a game, right? They weren't actual seven game series or seven games in a row where they were playing awesome defense and where their communication was just great. And they were on a string and they were all, all the switches were perfect. And like they did exactly what they wanted to do on Lou Dort and, and just sagged off of him and then had that second, had that extra defender there to do what they wanted to do um, as a free safety. And I just think it's so insane how they just, for two postseasons in a row, they went from a middling defense to a top defense in the, in the NBA, just in the playoffs. Like, like I, I guess, you know, I asked Mike D'Antoni about this today because it's just, it's been racking my brain uh, <laughs> how this continues to happen. Um, and he, he just said, yeah, I mean, we just try harder and, and we pay attention to detail. And I, I, you know, I guess, I guess it can just be that simple. You know, I, I, I guess, there are some teams that are able to do that, but but throughout NBA history, I mean, you and I know this. Like, it's very rare where a team can actually flip a switch. Like, switch fl- switch flip teams exist, but they're few and far between. There's like one team every year, and the the fact that the Rockets have been that team twice in a row now is insane. Well, I mean, uh, there were some Kobe teams that were like this. You know, I think older, more veteran teams have a tendency to do this more than younger teams do, and. I think we can safely call the Rockets an older, more veteran team. Right. Um, so do you want to talk about game one? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about game one. <laughs> How did you feel going into the series about this matchup for the Rockets? You know, let's see. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't want to... I want to tread carefully here. This series does not fill me with stress in the same way that the Thunder series filled me with stress not just in practice, but like in the conceptualization of it. Like to me, the Thunder represented an extremely miserable, scary matchup that was going to be like pulling teeth and that was going to have the potential, a huge potential downside and little potential upside, right? Like losing to the Thunder would be a massive blow, but beating them is just kind of Tuesday. Um, The Lakers series feels like the opposite to me. The Lakers are for sure the more talented team, for no other reason than they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But I don't think the team is scared of the Lakers. Uh, I feel like the fans are in many ways not as scared of the Lakers. Like, I think there's to some degree less, there's less history, especially recent history, that like there are fewer demons people are trying to work out. Uh, there is a lot of upside here. If the Rockets go ahead and win this series, that's that's huge for them. That's like, that really helps out their cachet and their legacy. If they lose, that sucks, but they weren't favored going into it. Like it, it's a problem. It is for sure a problem, but the narrative about losing to the Lakers and the narrative about losing to the Thunder are absolutely differently. Like this series, even though I think that going into it, it would be, to- it, it's the correct call to favor the Lakers. It just feels a lot less terrifying. If that makes any sense. Is it the correct call to favor the Lakers? Because well, I got to be safe call. Okay. Well, th- th- I, I like that phrasing better because I got to be honest. So I spent a whole 24 hours after the Rockets uh, escaped their first series thinking about what I was going to do for my prediction. And I just kept coming back to 
Yeah, this is just a bad matchup for the Lakers. Like, like yes, first round left a sour taste in my mouth about the Rockets. They they should have they should have beat this team in five or six games. And the fact that they struggled so much indicates usually indicates trouble for a team. But I look at this Lakers roster, and I've been skeptical of them all year because of like okay, so they make the Anthony Davis trade, great, awesome trade, right? That they have LeBron, they now have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They proceed to sign. Ray John Rondo, J.R. Smith, JaVale McGee, uh, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley. They, they just signed the goofiest role players of the bunch that they could find and the most ill-fitting role players that they could find. And for some reason, it worked. It worked throughout the regular season. I, I, I give them their props. It worked. They were an awesome team. They were on pace to win 60 games. I still remain skeptical because I just kept looking at that roster and I was like, I'm not sure if they're this good, man. Like, I, I just, I'm not sure how many of these players you can play in a series against the Rockets, honestly. Like, and we're finding out now, uh, you, you just cannot play certain guys against the Rockets. And the Rockets do this to every team they play, right? They shrink their rotation all the time. You look at the Thunder series, there were a ton of players that didn't play in that series. And that's because the Rockets force you to play certain players that are able to stay on the floor. And... Against the Lakers, the Lakers have so many of these, right? Like, they have seven guys that can clearly play in the series, right? Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kuzma, uh, Alex Caruso, Danny Green. Uh, and then it gets pretty dicey, right? And, you, and then you're talking about, like, okay, I guess you have to play Rondo. I guess you have to play Dwight. And, and it just, I never had full confidence in that roster. And the, the way the Rockets play, after watching that February 6th matchup, I was like, man, the, the, these guys are just terribly matched up for the Rockets. They're just like, they're, if there are two teams in the NBA that I can bet would give the Lakers trouble, it would be the Clippers and the Rockets. And they're playing the Rockets and then the Clippers in the next round if they advance, right? And I just never, in my head, as soon as the, the brackets were out, I never pictured the, the Lakers exiting the Western Conference. I, I'm being dead serious. Like, I, I had two teams as potential potentially exiting the Western Conference, and really one team. I thought it was either going to be the Clippers or it was going to be the Rockets. And I I really didn't really think it was going to be the Rockets. I thought it was going to be the Clippers because I just I do not trust this roster. They are relying on JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard quite a bit. And Deion Waiters. Like, Deion yeah. Waiters was like their big adjustment for game one. And that's wild to me. The fact that that like they were down seventeen, they bring in Deion Waiters as if he's going to shoot them out of this, and it's oh, just I mean, like you might as well try something. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess, but it's just I, I don't know. I, I I remain skeptical of this team. I think skepticism is fair. Uh, I think we need to see some more games between these two teams in the playoff series before we really start uh, lo- lobbing any bombs because losing game one happens. Look, it was a pretty convincing win for the Rockets. I'm going to say this. It was a very convincing win for the Rockets. And like I said, I don't think the Rockets are afraid of them, especially after after years of playing against the Warriors. The Rockets aren't really afraid of anybody. They just were irritated by the Thunder in a way that I think the Lakers can't really do to them. Uh, that being said, the Lakers are a better team than the Thunder were. Uh, they're really good. They're super talented. We'll see how this goes. But I think you're right that like there is reason... There is reason to take a wait and see approach on the Lakers this season. It 
I'm tr- I'm trying to like be politic here, but I it would not surprise me if either team won this series. How does that sound? Well, see, listen, I feel like I'm being objective about this, right? Like I don't feel like I'm I'm being a Rockets homer here. I I genuinely just am s- skeptical of this roster. And when I talk about Rockets Lakers, I always just envision I I think the series is going to go long. Right, like I, I picked the Rockets in seven games. It's not like I picked them in six games or five games or something like that. Right, I, I think it's going to go to seven games. I think it's going to go at least six or seven games, and I just I'm giving them the respect that they have been awesome this entire year, despite what I thought about them going into the year. But I think that's mostly due to the fact that they have LeBron James. Like, is 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 that like a ridiculous take? Like, they have possibly the best player on the planet right now, and I just. I think that gets you really far, especially if that player is working his ass off on defense, which he clearly is this year. I mean, AD's been awesome for them too. AD has been awesome for them, but the, if you look at the minutes where AD's been on, AD's been on the floor and LeBron's been on the bench, they're pretty ugly. And I'm not to say AD hasn't contributed to their success, but I think most of their success is, is has been based on LeBron and shooting and defense. And Anthony Davis fits in there obviously because he's an awesome defender, but. I think when I look at this team, I I keep coming back to okay. So if they didn't have LeBron, like how good would they be? Let's let's just say this team is Anthony Davis and everybody else on this team. So are they are they cracking the playoffs in the Western Conference? Like just be honest with me here. Like like they have they they're starting Danny Green, Alex Caruso, uh, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma. Is that team? making the playoffs in the Western Conference? I don't think so. Not in this Western Conference. Not the Western Conference that I watched this year, right? Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I, I have a lot of misgivings about that front office and uh, the way they handled their offseason. And I think, I think when you talk about the big adjustments moving forward, I, there's one clear one, right? Anthony Davis at center. You, you cannot play two bigs against the Rockets. You cannot play two bigs against the Rockets. Let me say that again. You cannot play two bigs against the Rockets. You have to, at, at some point, you have to play Anthony Davis at center because that oh. is not only your best offensive option, that is your best defensive option. I mean, did you, so I'm sure, I'm sure you've, uh, you've caught uh, Twitter Lakers uh, in particular, star Karanjis McBasketball, Tim, talking about this, uh, that his theory is that you do need to play two bigs against the Rockets. Uh, I think the thing I'm taking away from that is that his expert opinion, and that of some other people, is that the Lakers can't deal with the Rockets if they only play one big. Uh, And so if the Lakers also can't deal with the Rockets playing two bigs, where does that leave them? So I think a lot of people believe they have to play two bigs because their big advantage is the offensive glass, right? Like, like so if the if the Lakers dominate the the offensive glass and get so many extra possessions to where the amount of t- turnovers the Rockets are forcing don't matter, then yeah, they have an advantage there. But if you're just so bad defensively, like if you're having to have JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis go out on the perimeter defend. Russell Westbrook, right? And and Anthony Davis is better than um, most people believe he is on the perimeter defensively, but not an ideal matchup, right? Like you, you can agree that with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're having to rely on those guys going out there, 
you're you're in sketchy territory. Yes, you can play Dwight in the series, but you cannot play him with Anthony Davis, and you cannot play him in the minutes that James Harden's out there. You just can't. Like he's going to be a huge negative for you. I think I think Dwight's a good backup center in this league. I don't think you can play him, you know, at all in the minutes that Harden's on the floor. My take is that I think that what the Lakers make might we'll see how. All right, we'll see how game two and or three go, right? Uh, but I think that one of the best things that the Lakers and many other teams can do with the Rockets is you want to stop their drive and especially their drive and kick game. Drive and kick is how they bury you. That's when you are dead. And I, I really think that teams should kind of start playing like the Bucks. I know this is a thing, a hell of a thing to say, given what's happened to the Bucks. But I, I think you would rather let the Rockets move the ball around the perimeter or just walk it up and shoot in a in a like a somewhat open three than have them actually get into a successful driving kick to catch the ball and in, and shoot in a proper motion. Like the, the the shots you get off of a driving kick are better than like a pull up three, right? I think you would rather live with them just shooting moderately open threes and to have no inside game than to allow them to like actually run their offense properly. Uh and that's where the Rockets end up failing, right? Like where the Rockets end up failing is teams who take away the interior and just hand them the outside. And then they, you see if they get hot, if they get hot from the outside, then they're going to win. But if they don't get hot from the outside, the entire offense collapses. Uh, I think that is the, what they might be able to do with two bigs on the floor. I think have, I think playing two bigs probably is like going to be better for them in the long run because of a variety of factors, partially that they get to dominate the game somewhat, but in saying so, what I'm saying is that also this is a really bad matchup for the Lakers. They have to hope that, in large part, their talent and their coaching is able to uh, to trump the other factors in this matchup, and we're going to see how that goes. And to the Lakers' credit, Frank Vogel is a substantially better coach than Billy Donovan in the playoffs. Like I, I've watched Frank Vogel teams do a lot of creative things in the Eastern Conference, right? Like he is a good playoff coach, um, and I think. One advantage the Lakers have is that the Eric Gordon that you're seeing right now has not been the Eric Gordon that we've seen all season, right? And I think, you know, there's a non-zero chance that Eric Gordon reverts to what he's been all year. And I think if you're the Rockets, you have to hope that he continues playing like like he has in Game 7 of OKC Rockets and Game 1 of Lakers Rockets, right? I think I think you have to hope he continues playing like this and hitting open threes. And, and same the same thing with P.J. Tucker and same thing with you know, Ben McLemore and whoever you throw out there, <laughs> they have to keep hitting at a decent clip. They don't have to hit, you know, they, sh- they shot 39% from three in game one. They don't have to do that again. They can, they, they can shoot 35% from three and get away with it, but they have to shoot at a respectable clip. And the Rockets have a, has a, have an ability to not shoot at a respectable clip. Like we've seen this before, with the, especially this season with the Rockets. Um, so you have to hope for that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think all this makes sense, but also we're kind of we're basing it off a few regular season games and game one of a playoff series that I mean, one regular season game <laughs> like that's it. Yeah, I guess really just the one. Right. Uh, so this this is all liable to get blown up in the next few days. That is the thing we have to remember is that like the the Lakers come back at this with a few adjustments and like we might be talking about a totally different game I mean that game that game wasn't over until kind of late honestly like they were up by double digits for a decent chunk the second half but like 
it took them a long time to get there. The Lakers kept in contact the entire time, and you know it's never that easy with a LeBron team. So I th- I do think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful for the Rockets. I think there are extremely convincing arguments to say that like the Rockets should in fact win this series, but we're gonna have to see. We're we're gonna have to see what happens. They play the games for a reason, and with it, when you have players of the caliber of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you 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 always need to be looking over your shoulder because there's a reason they won this many games in regular season. Uh, hopefully, we are not singing a totally different tune in a couple of days. Yeah, and listen, I'm not bearing the Lakers here, right? Like, I just think this is a bad matcher for them. Like, I I, I just it, do. Like, and. Like, you're definitely going to get a better LeBron James than what you saw in game one. Like, he's not going to sh- score 20 points, have eight rebounds, and seven assists, right? He's going to have at least uh, 27 for the rest of the series. Like, I can guarantee you that. He is not going to have a, a game where he doesn't score at least 27 points the rest of the series. Uh, and I think Anthony Davis will find his spots, obviously. And I think if the Lakers go ahead and stop messing around and play Anthony Davis at center, which I recognize that you disagree with, but this is my take. I think, I think they, they could, they have the potential to make the series more competitive. I'll say this. If I think if they do go like full time, Anthony Davis at five, or at least like main time that I don't, I don't think you can play Houston's game against them. I mean, I think that's a large part of why the Rockets were so successful. Uh, like, as successful as they were against the Warriors, which, let me note, is better than anyone else who's played full-strength Warriors. Um, they, The reason they were so successful, especially in 2018, was convincing them to play Houston's game. You can't play Houston's game. Once you start playing Houston's game, I feel like you are inches away from just giving up entirely like that's how much of is of an advantage you're giving up by playing their game instead of yours because they've done it so much longer than you and they're they're going to be able to work the angles way better than you and you like the lakers didn't play a whole like you know several the, the lakers did not play a decent chunk of the season and commit themselves to playing small ball i don't I don't think it's a good idea because of those reasons. And like I said, if, well, if it's that's not, not small, it's not small ball. Like Anthony Davis at center is like traditional ball. Like I don't, they're playing. Well, well then who's, a, the, who's the power for who's the traditional power forward then Kuzma. Mm, I mean, it's still fairly, it, that's, that's what we used to call small ball. <laughs> Having one big was what we used to call small ball. This thing the Rockets are doing is something beyond small ball. Well, I I think I think playing Anthony Davis at center. I think every other team in the NBA would play Anthony Davis at center. Like I don't think that's that's just a that's just a in this series thing. Like I think like the Lakers are doing something unique and just forcing this this square peg into this round hole. And and that's partly because Anthony Davis has refused refused to play center. And listen, uh, on some level, I'm sympathetic to that. Right? Like it seems like he would be would be much better suited to play in like the mid 2000s where it was acceptable for someone like Tim Duggan to play power forward, right? But it's it's not the mid 2000s anymore. It's 2020. You if you're 6'10 and you can't shoot threes and you have a very specific skill set inside the paint, you have to play center. Like you just do. And I I don't know why uh the, the Lakers didn't enter the series playing Anthony Davis at center, but I think if, in game 2 if you're the Lakers to have the best chance possible against this specific team, I would play Anthony Davis at center. Good luck. That, that's just me. Listen, I'm not saying play the Rockets way. I'm saying play like a normal NBA team, right? Like I'm saying play like every other NBA team does, right? Because every other NBA team has four shooters and one center, right? 
And it, the, the Lakers are playing unique in that they are trying to play like it's 1995 and it is 2020. And I think, you know, pl- playing like it's 1995 is good against 28 other teams. And it might be good enough to win an NBA championship if the Clippers and Rockets didn't exist, right? We'll see. I I, that's, <laughs> I don't know what to say apart from like, we'll see how that goes. Uh, good luck, guys. Yeah, and uh, for the most part, this has been a pretty advantageous matchup for Russell Westbrook, by the way, which we probably should talk about just a little bit. Like, he found a good amount of driving lanes. Uh, got blocked by LeBron twice, uh, pretty embarrassingly. But, I mean, I don't think... Le- Russell Westbrook has the capability of being embarrassed. Like I think he he shrugs it off better than any other superstar in the NBA. Yeah, he can only move one direction. That is yelling forward. Yeah, um, but uh, this has been a pretty good series for him. I, he, he's getting to his spots. And um, one thing, you know, if you're the Lakers, uh, you you you're letting Russ continue to shoot these wide open mid range jumpers, right? Like I think I think your only hope is that Russ does Russ and shoots a low percentage on those mid-range jumpers for the course of the series because you know it's been it's a good shot for him and it's a shot that the Rockets are going to allow him to take but generally that's not a good shot and I think the Lakers are going to allow him to shoot that and especially if they continue to defend him with bigs like those bigs are not closing out on that mid-range jumper they're just letting him have it so I'll be interested to see what what kind of percentage he shoots on that going forward Robert Covington I think this is this is if you're talking about like the biggest series possible uh, for the Rockets, this is the biggest series possible for Robert Covington. Like the, he is so u- useful in this series. Like he can do so many things as a free safety on defense. And what's interesting is the Rockets are having Eric Gordon guard LeBron James. Which when I tweeted that, like I got ratioed right away. Like I and I was just reporting the news. I was just telling you what Mike D'Antoni told me. Right. Like I was just saying, like yeah, he's starting. He's gonna guard it. He's gonna guard LeBron James. And that got a loud loud reaction from uh the folks on twitter but um so the rockets are doing this unique thing where they have eric, eric gordon guard lebron and they have pj tucker guard westbrook i know westbrook guard uh davis and they're having robert covington kind of roam in the in the paint as a free safety and uh defend the second big and so he's he's there for these weak shot weak side shot blocking like he's there for when anthony davis gets to the cup and Robert Covington's right there for the block, right? Like he he has the capability to just roam around, and he's a better help defender than he is a one on one defender. And I think that's the reason they're doing this, right? I think they're doing this because they recognize. I mean, we just need someone that LeBron's just not going to drive right by, and we need someone on Anthony Davis that he's not going to bully. And Anthony Davis is not going to bully PJ Tucker, like no way, not at all. Like he is a. Uh, I think I saw him on Twitter being compared to a cinder block. He is a cinder block. He is not. He is not going to get moved. Yeah, the there was the 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 one the one moment that uh, was tweeted out by 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 uh, by Wob, right? I think <laughs> I think that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, just just LeBron basically bouncing off of PJ and flipping up like a backwards over his shoulder reverse layup or something. I, I saw when I saw that live, I was totally flummoxed. Uh, really impressive stuff from PJ. He's absolutely critical to what the, to what the team does. Uh, he let us let us all knock on wood every single day that uh, that nothing bad befalls him for the rest of his life. Right, and like it, it is pretty smart how they're doing this, right? Because the Lakers ideally would want to run pick and roll with LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? 
And as soon as the pick comes, PJ Tucker gets switched on to LeBron. And they don't want that, right? They they like PJ Tucker is objectively the best defend LeBron defender on the Rockets. Like he just is. He's one of the best LeBron defenders in the league. Like after Kawhi Leonard and like Bam Adebayo, like PJ Tucker is right there in terms of the people you want guarding LeBron James in any, any series. So he has been very good at being there whenever the switch is called upon. And Eric Gordon's been good at just preventing LeBron drives, right? And that, that that's all you can ask for for a LeBron defender. Just do not get blown past because he's going to do some amazing things because he's LeBron James. Just do not get driven past. And I think it's smart using Robert Covington as that help defender. I think it's uh, it's, it's different. It's something I wouldn't have done. I, I'm not sure how many people would have done it. It's, it's bold. Mike D'Antoni is the kind of coach who's willing to try stuff like this. But um, it is definitely something to watch for moving forward. How, how successful Eric Gordon continues to play on LeBron and how successful... Uh, PJ Tucker continues to play on Anthony Davis. I'm just excited to be in this series that people have been looking forward to, that we've been looking forward to, uh, not the series that was suddenly sprung upon us and that we were dreading. Uh, and even though this is going to be a really, a really difficult series with tons of, like you said, lots of adjustments from both coaches, hopefully and presumably, uh, this is actually going to be interesting and exciting and not just some sort of a like a a horrible gauntlet you have to drag your way through to get free. Yeah, this is the ultimate first take series. Like I, I said this back when I previewed the series, like back in what was it, I think March or April. I don't I don't know when I put out that podcast, but uh, this is the ultimate. Like people have strong opinions about this, right? Uh, it's gonna drive a lot of chatter for, uh, until it's finished, um, and I cannot wait for. Sunday and it's going to be fun. I, I I look I look forward to talking to you about it as soon as game two is over. A pivotal game two. Yes, a pivotal game two. Um, <laughs> subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Solomonly NBA. Uh, follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not Forrest. How do you spell that? D U N O T S. Subscribe to Stay of the Rockets, the newsletter that has been coming to your your feed every Sunday. I think I've been putting it out every Sunday. But yeah, thanks guys. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.